This is me. This is how I win. Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition, a Victory Monday edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It feels great, Matt. I haven't said the Victory Monday line in a while, and sometimes it's nice to just start a week and everybody just remind each other, hey, the Bucks are Super Bowl champions. And that's that's why I gave the pitch pump. I'm like, yeah, you're damn right it's a Victory Monday. Right. They're still the champs. Let's yeah. go. And for at least another six months or so, maybe yeah. longer, the Bucks are going to be Super Bowl champs, so we're going to... Live it up and keep celebrating these Victory Mondays, as always, brought to you by our friends over at Celsius in the heat. I got the orange sickle out today. You got, was it the kiwi guava? That is. Oh, the kiwi guava. I love it. Celsius, mm-hmm. if you don't know, folks, uh, we tell you all the time, but it powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. We are always pumped about our friends over at Celsius because they give us that extra little jump start to our day and they do it without any unhealthy stuff. They do it without uh, the energy drop-off that you get from other energy drinks. And they do it by giving us great flavor. Uh, and, and it accelerates metabolism, proven performance for exercise, and, and creating energy for those exercises as a morning workout person. I am very, very thankful for Celsius. Check out the heat line. I love this their stuff. The blueberry pomegranate's great. The orange sickle, those are two of my favorite flavors coming that. So uh, excited about Celsius as always. And, and Peter Report Podcast listeners, if you love Celsius, and we know the majority of you do, we've got a special opportunity coming up later in the show that you're going to want to stick around for. It's an opportunity to win a case of your favorite Celsius energy drink flavor, as well as the hottest and tastiest new protein bars on the market. So make sure you stick around later in the show um to to hear more about that uh, on the pewter report podcast matt before we get to all that though we've got to talk about something really fun and exciting and that is this bucks roster and how it looked at minicamp the first time we've gotten to see all these guys together really since the 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 super bowl i mean since the since the last time we saw them take the field uh in an actual game setting and it was exciting i mean the first day of practice i don't think we really expected to see Tom Brady out there, you know, and we're going to talk winners and losers from minicamp. Some, you know, I know that people may laugh at that uh, winners and losers from minicamp. How can you have that? But there definitely were some takeaways, at least along those lines that we have. And I think one of the big winners right off the bat, I know it might seem silly, but isn't it Brady? Like the way that he came out, the fact that he practiced every day, like he was the first name I wrote down. I made a winner's bracket and a loser's bracket or sheet. And Tom Brady was the first name I wrote down just for the fact that he was out there. And then once he was out there, he was slinging it. Right. He was going all over the place. It was the Brady that we knew, the Brady that Bucks fans love. It looked like he didn't miss a beat. I've been saying that a lot, but it's true. He went out there and he was firing it into windows that only the receivers could get it. And he did it right away like he never had surgery at all. Yeah. But clearly he did. And I'm sure that some people were like, oh, it's Brady. Like, obviously, he's going to look good in minicamp. Like, but I mean, the reality is he's 44, he's going to be 44 years old. At that point, we start looking for decline anytime a guy takes a field. That's just what we do at that point in time. Just yeah. Because and your you name's Tom Brady. You know what? There's haters too that every single year they're like, oh, he's old. He's lost it now. So you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, yeah. oh, he's too old. I don't know if he has it anymore. But then when he does have it and he brings it every single practice, you can't right. now be like, well, what'd you expect? He's great. You can't have it both ways. That's he's right. Great. Tell, Deal you with you it. tell him, Matt. You tell Deal him. Deal with it. That's right. <laughs> Matt fired up on a victory Monday. Let's go. Tell him the haters where to stick it. I love it. Yeah. But you're right on because you cannot have it both ways. And Brady has clearly demonstrated now that he's come out and he's moved around and he's thrown the ball and he's looked really good uh, that the physical talent isn't isn't still isn't in decline with him. And obviously, we'll see when the bullets start flying in real games. It's always going to be something that we watch for. I know fans of kind of like Brady will bite till he's fifty, and I get that there's that side of things too. But the reality is always going to be somewhere in the middle. He's not washed, but he's probably not going to play till he's fifty either. So we'll be on the lookout for it, but we didn't see it at, at minicamp. That's exciting if you're a Bucks fan. He looked great, and I think the knowledge of the offense. I'm kind of going back through, Matt, and looking at some of the plays from last season, and man, it, it, I just feel like early in the season, there was so much 
be a coordinated effort, play to play where everybody's on the same page, drive to drive. And then we just saw so much of that kind of fall off toward the end of the year that and, and then become more in the zone. I just have such – I don't know what this season could look like, but it could be so much better than even last year. And they won the Super Bowl last year. I know. That's crazy to think. And that kind of leads me to going to do a little plug here. The Monday mailbag I was in charge of writing this week because Mark is on vacation. So you go back to the playing 50 thing. I actually joked. One of the questions was uh, – do you think Brady will have a front office job when he retires, whatever? And I, and I jokingly, I said, well, Brady's going to have a while to think about it. Cause he's going to play till he's 50. And then I right. said, I'm kidding, but am I, but are you? Um, <laughs> but there was another, <laughs> there was another question on there that was because there's a 17th game this season. And this ties into what you were saying about how they're going to be even better this year because they went through some growing pains and still won the right. Super Bowl. I'm thinking more on the offensive side of the ball where, because the 17th game, there's going to be an opportunity for a lot of players to break single season records because you just have an extra game. You're going to have more opportunities. You're going to have more reps. But at the same time, I because there's so much talent, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and the list goes on and on, there's only one football. So like everyone's going to have their moment, but to, to stack it up for like a long period of time, I think will be tough. But the one guy that would benefit from that to break these records would be Tom Brady. Yeah, I think we could see him break both single season records this year, the uh, passing yards record and then the touchdown record, which he already has. So he would just be breaking his own record. <laughs> yeah, that that is a good point by you is that receiving wise there's probably I mean, it would be surprising, I think, to see something like that happen. Yeah, really, any of those positions. I'm trying to think of even – I mean, I would have to look at probably right, individual like, records. But. Okay, rushing records probably aren't going to be broken because they're going to just be going right. back and forth with Rojo and Leonard Fournette as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the receptions record right now, Keyshawn Johnson has it. I think he has it at 105 or 106. Again, if yeah, it was just hard. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, yeah, I could see one of them – breaking that record but then you throw in Gronk and you throw in a healthy OJ Howard and yeah. it makes it that much more tough it's not a bad situation that the Bucks are in but if we're talking right. about and Mike Evans also has like a thousand Bucks records so right right he'll, he'll get them all eventually but you're right this year is probably not the year that that particular one happens um I am I am so curious I'm writing about Rob Gronkowski for tomorrow by the way for Bucks briefing uh, so shameless plug there I'm deviating from the special teams for a week and I'm writing about Gronkowski because I've promised this article to you all since the end of last season, but we've just had this constant churn of news and, and things to write about that I haven't gone around to it, but it's still been on my list of, of content pieces to put out there. So I'm writing about Gronkowski and how, yeah, he had a good season last year and everybody was like, oh, I'm sorry we called you washed, but people should be repenting even more than they did because Gronkowski was actually much better than the numbers show and you, do you know that that every player on the Bucs had their career best com- catch percentage last year? Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, OJ Howard, even when he's out there. Because he had the broken finger and he had yeah. some drops. That's well, this is just catch percentage. So, oh, gotcha, gotcha. So percentage of targets that you catch. So in other words, it sounds like accuracy was an issue before this past season for all these guys. And now this year, accuracy improved, So as did their catch percentage. So all those guys, except... Even Cam Brate, all of them, except Rob Gronkowski. He had his career worst catch percentage last wow. year. And Gronk wasn't exactly dropping the ball all the time. Oh. Like Gronk was, he dropped a couple drops, but it wasn't even close to leading the team in drops. He wasn't even, he didn't even hit five drops last year. Yeah. I don't even think he had four, to be honest. But it was literally because he and Brady couldn't get on the same page. That Those were the two of all the people that you would expect. Everybody else, the chemistry for most of the year was there in a, in that offense greater than they'd had it with any other quarterback in their career. But for Gronkowski, it was his career worst catch percentage last season. I think that's hilarious, and I think that it's very much an outlier and very unlikely yeah. to continue. Now, will he see 75 targets next season with a healthy O.J. Howard? I don't know about that, but I will say that I doubt that he only comes up with 45 catches uh, if he does see 75 targets. I bet he has a lot more than that. Um, and he still led the league in deep targets and deep completion. So I'm not sure anybody's going to break a record, but I would like to know the Bucks tight end highest like marks for a Bucks tight end in history. Who's the best Bucks tight end in history? Jimmy Giles is definitely up there. Okay, I wonder so, what his best season. Let's 
but some of the fans probably know, but I'm just yeah, curious now that you brought like up Marcus records. would definitely want to punch me right now <laughs> with talking about old school Bucks. But yeah. uh yeah, he's up there, especially with like touchdowns and I think he has a record too of like uh, I don't wanna I don't wanna speak out of turn, but he has some type of touchdown record. Okay. Well, I don't know if he has the best Bucks receiving tight end of all time. Fans in the chat probably know better than you and I you know, a New York guy and a Pittsburgh guy, but, but, <laughs> but, 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 uh, Giles had 45 catches for 786 yards and six touchdowns in 1981. That's his best season in terms of yards and catches of all. So 45, 786. And he had one season where he had seven touchdowns, but that's six, only another we had eight touchdowns, but that's looks like his best season other than touchdowns, yards and catches. So Gronk, if that's the best one, and fans will probably be able to sound off, I can't think off the top of my head. Did Winslow have a good season when ever there? No. I can't remember. I think it was okay. I'd have to look. Anyway, let me check and see what the chat says here. I'll get back to some of those early questions. Uh, let me know, chat. I don't see anybody saying who's the best Who's the best tight end in Bucks history, best, best single season for a tight end in Bucks history. And let's see if we think that Gronk could – potentially top it if this is it from jimmy giles and i bet it's not the best one but uh if this is it i think gronk could top it 45 786 786 is tough that's in this offense yeah. gonna be tough to get 786 but remember gronk had 16 deep targets last year led all tight ends across the league darren waller 140 targets travis kelsey 139 targets gronk had more he only had 75 total targets and he had more deep targets and more deep catches eight deep catches 20 yards or more in the air by the way that, that deep uh, and think about how much he was asked to block as well too like he definitely lost out on a lot of opportunities on passing plays just because they needed him to help with the offensive tackle yeah oh yeah yeah for sure uh so anyway this column tomorrow will be revealing it'll kind of give you an idea if brady had hit gronk all the times he was deep and wide open these would have been gronk's numbers and kind of just shift things a little bit in people's mind maybe because i think there were a lot of opportunities out on the field that uh maybe went to waste but it looks like people are saying Giles is maybe the best, uh, maybe the best season, um, or maybe did, was that maybe the best season? Was that Winslow? It looks like Giles. Some people are saying Giles was that was the best season. So that's not out of the right. question. So maybe we can get him. We'll see. Uh, but interesting to talk about for sure. All the tight ends are great during minicamp. I you know obviously OJ Howard not quite out there yet, but well he was running on Thursday, right, Matt? So that was a good yeah, sign. So that last day he was running on the middle field. And actually, right. like legit running, not just like, you know, little right. Things well, that's here. encouraging. That's encouraging. I think he's. Getting, I mean, it sounds like everybody will be a go for training camp. We should mention. I don't know if you mentioned this on Thursday's pod or not, but Curtis Riley, what is it? A, a partially torn Achilles. And yeah, they're gonna have to check and see Thursday. if he needs surgery. Okay. Yeah, they right. said they'll wait and see. Obviously, anytime you hear Achilles, it's never mm-hmm. a good thing. Yeah, not hopefully, great. you know, with some rest, he'll be able to to rebound right. and get back up and uh, right. be ready Keep for training. Competing. Right. And Arians also mentioned that Jamel Dean might have sprained his knee during Thursday's practice. Yeah, so again, we talked about that too. At Fair first, Arians said sprain, but then he said bruise. Bruise, right. Um, he didn't really – he didn't seem worried about it right. at all. And I think, again, too, they have so many weeks off that he'll be good to go when, when training camp gets here. Right, I agree. Yeah, that's, so that shouldn't be, shouldn't be an issue, but – um, I think that coming out of minicamp, being able to be healthy and being able to see a lot of your vets out there still, being like guys like Gronk moving around, working, looking good, um, that's I think is is a big plus too. So I'd say all those guys are winners, but continuing with our trend of kind of guys that stood out in practices that that really impressed, I think Bucks fans are going to be happy to learn. I thought Keyshawn Vaughn looked pretty good. I mean, I'm not saying that he was perfect. I'm not saying he should play over the top three guys at all. I just thought he looked explosive as a route runner. I thought that he looked more sure of himself. I saw one drop early on in the first day of practice on air, and then I didn't see any drops in team periods after that. I saw a couple nice catches, good routes. Um, I thought he looked more explosive than last season. He looked like an NFL back in terms of his movement ability. So obviously a lot more to it. Um, There's only so much you learn about running backs when pads aren't on, breaking tackles, pass protection, all that stuff's like some of the biggest stuff about playing running back. But um, from what we could see, I was kind of impressed with Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, overall, I thought he looked 
better than he did in the past. Like you said, he had a really good diving touchdown catch with Kyle Trask, got quarterback during a goal line session, I believe on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, either Tuesday or Thursday, one of the days I was there. He's building good chemistry with Trask. It was funny because he started out the week where Bruce Arians wasn't happy with him that he wasn't, or I guess the week before he wasn't happy that Arians wasn't happy that Vaughn wasn't at OTAs at all, but he picked it up. I think, uh, and again, that was another question on the, on the mailbag. I'm not trying to plug it left and right here, but they said, will any running backs other than the main four crack the lineup? And really the only running back that would be in jeopardy of not making it would be Vaughn. And Vaughn would have to have a really bad, a really bad training camp for CJ Procise to to take his spot. I don't think that will happen, but it was it was a good start for Vaughn to really get his bearings under him. And I yeah, I thought he was fine. Um, I probably would have left him off the winners list, but not say that he's a loser at the same time. Yeah. Okay. That right. That's that's probably a good way to look at it. I don't think he was like a wow. You know, he wasn't like Giovanni Bernard looked. Um, speaking of winners, like Giovanni yeah. Bernard just looked like everything that you hoped he would be. You know, clearly the best pass catching back, mm-hmm. but the routes, the explosion, explosiveness after the catch, um, just knowing where to be, and that's just such a big part of this. Like when to make your cuts, when to get your head around. Uh, you know, when you're a certain distance from a linebacker playing off of you you know, when, when to kind of make that jab step and cut outside or jab step and cut inside, just, he just gets it. You know, like everybody that we asked about all week was just like, Oh, Gio, Yeah. He's a pro. Like they're just like, yeah, he's a pro. Like he, everybody kept yeah. saying he was a pro. I think Arian said it left, which said it, uh, Kappa said it. I think they all kind of described him immediately the same way, which was very, very funny, but also goes to show like he just exudes professionalism and detail and all those kind of things and everything that he does so much so that everyone else, everyone can't help but kind of describe him in the same universal context of respect. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the great things, too, is it just shows the leadership that he was there for OTAs and then also practicing with Brady and those guys. Just, uh, it, just a super great sign of professionalism. I'm not going to say pro because we've heard that's like the word of the day is pro. And there was an awesome awesome matchup that I can't wait to watch more because this is just round one and this isn't even going to be a 12 round fight. This is going to be like, I don't know, a 50 round fight. Yeah, It was Devin White lined up against Giovanni Bernard. We're talking about speed versus speed, two really competitive guys. And Devin White got the better of, of Bernard, wow. I guess on that rep because he, he knocked away the pass. I guess technically you could blame that on the quarterback if you wanted to, but I just, those two players just seeing that matchup. I can't wait to watch that in training camp. That's right. Especially for Devin white. Cause I guess the one knock on him has been his, his ability to uh, cover in the passing game. So I'm especially, sure that's something, yeah, especially in man coverage. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that's going to be something that he's going to be working on for, for this training camp and this off season. Yeah. So it was a good first sign. Granted it was, it was one play out of like 50, Hey, but that's all we're talking about. We're admitting it up front. It's a small sample size. We're picking winners and losers from minicamp. We recognize this is going to be a very small lens, and that's okay. That's what we're evaluating on. That's what people want to hear on uh, at this point in time. Given that context, you know, I think that I think that it it was a win for Jaden Mickens to be at to be there, to be able to stay on the field um, those three days. um, Not just because Jalen Darden missed the first day and was very limited the second day, and I know he was back for the short kind of walk through like Thursday practice, but um, it was just good. Jaden Mickens clearly ahead of Justin Watson in, in the receiver hierarchy hierarchy right now. I think Tom Brady definitely likes him. He got plenty of run with the ones and the twos on the first field during practice. Um, obviously no Darden, no Antonio Brown. So, I mean, you are kind of, there's a little, some little, a little bit of an asterisk next to that, but still like he's, he's getting run over Watson. He's getting run along with Tyler Johnson um, he's rotating in there and getting those reps. And I thought I didn't see him drop a ball Tuesday or Wednesday. I thought that he finished really well. There weren't a lot of miscommunications involving him. He's clearly not one of the top guys, but right. You know, again, like it's opportunity for him. It's clear. The coaching staff likes him. There's an energy to practice when he's out there. He is an edgy, fiery, um, vocal guy. They enjoy that about him. I think everybody on the team really likes him. You just kind of make yourself harder to cut when you can offer a lot of different things. And I think he's trying to do everything he can to show he's a receiver too. 
obviously there's not really room for him unless an injury happens, but I think I would, man, if he's your seventh receiver, I just feel great about you. I think he's a good player. I really do. I don't think he's a great player or anything. I don't want to, I think he's rosterable for vast majority of teams in the league. And ironically, the Bucks may be one of the, probably the toughest roster yeah. to make, but I don't know a lot of other teams. I think he should be on there. Absolutely. And it's funny because we've talked a lot about that. Mickens brings this edge and, and things like that. Yeah. And <laughs> there was another great example at uh, Mike Evans had a charity bowling event the other day. And so, of course, a lot of the wide receivers were there. And there's a video of like Mickens pretty much being like, watch me bowl this. And he like bowled a strike and he was like celebrating after and everything. And that just speaks to to, to what you were saying. I agree tenfold. Mickens should be on this list. He's had some great practices, great OTAs as well. I know we're focusing on minicamp. Another player that I kind of lumped together just because this player as well is a guy that's definitely even more under the radar than Mickens. People know who Mickens is, but this player and Mickens both at one point at minicamp built good chemistry with Tom Brady, got some reps with him to the point that Brady was coming over to these guys after high five mm -hmm. them talking about what they just went through. And that was wide receiver, Travis Johnson, who yeah. you may recall a couple of months ago, Jason light himself went out of his way to be like, yeah, there's a receiver. We have Travis Johnson that I'm actually looking forward to. He's a super fast guy. He's tall as well, too. He's got good size. He was playing very well on Thursday uh, when it was mostly red zone and goal line reps. He had a touchdown in the back right corner, a good jumping play where, of course, Brady put the ball right to him. Mm -hmm. where, only, where only Johnson could get it. He's a guy, again, of course, he's not going to beat Evans or Godwin or Brown yeah, for right. a job. But, you know, they we've spoke about that. He They've used him to be like a Taysom Hill type of guy. But right. when you have a player that's fast, I mean, who knows? I don't think he's going to make the roster, but I think he could be a really valuable practice squad guy. And maybe if there's a couple injuries, maybe he becomes a gunner or something like that. Just because he's so fast, he can get down the field like that. We know the Bucs are talking about special teams. That's the big emphasis. Hmm. I'm not necessarily saying that's going to happen. But when you have a guy that's so fast and you know the coaching staff and the front office already likes, it's a player yep. you got to look at for sure. I agree with you. I, again, I don't know how he makes it, but this was one of the most interesting things about camp. But again, we're just going to talk about these things in the pod. And if we get yada, we get yada. But he was playing with the ones and twos when there was an opportunity over Justin Watson. I didn't see... On the first two days, I didn't see Watson go over there with that with those that group. Yeah, he wasn't on Thursday either. He wasn't on Thursday. So I mean, it was we talk about stock down guys. Justin Watson highlights the list to me. You know, I was talking about him going into the week. Special teams impact a year ago. You know, this was one of their best special teamers. Arian said it when he was on our podcast a couple weeks ago. Led us in special teams tackles. When I watched the tape, I was like, oh, there's a lot of holes on special teams. But Justin Watson seems like one of the few guys. That like you can really count on, you know, with kick coverage, punt coverage, uh, kickoff coverage. Um, but it seems like they're kind of creating a plan to move forward without him. And the Super Bowl might have been a step in that direction. Ross Cocker was an up back for the first time in his career in the NFL. I think that's crazy. And he didn't necessarily play super well. But when they went out there, it's early for this. But when they went out there for for punt team during practice, it's Cocker who's who's again in that up back role, and you're kind of looking for Justin Watson and he isn't out there and they didn't have gunners out there for that drill. So, you know, but he, I don't know if they see him as a gunner. He was, he was a wing in the past. And so um, I don't know that they, it was just looking around at the units. I didn't seem like, seemed like they were trying to figure out life without Justin Watson. That's what it seemed like. And Travis Johnson could be one of the guys. If somebody goes down, he could be a guy that ends up being a great special teamer because again, size speed, he definitely looks a part of some of these wide receivers who become, yeah great gunners. Um, I have no clue whether he's going to be good at that or not, but he's obviously had a very versatile, I mean, they've been using him as a wildcat guy. They've had him simulate Taysom Hill in practice. So he's a guy that to me, you at least want him on the practice squad if you can get him there. Um, but it's hard because then that probably means you're, you know, there's no way to me that Johnson makes the practice squad and Justin Watson still on this team at all. And I, I think he would just be gone at that point and he'd be somewhere else. And you might keep Mickens and, Travis Johnson, but I don't know how you keep Johnson, Mickens, and Watson. And I get why you keep Mickens return wise. You know, he would be the guy that if Darden went down, you'd, you'd be able to call up. He's also a cable receiver, a guy everybody likes, practices during the week. He helps with the energy level. 
he's got to give you a great look because he's going 110 miles an hour every single every single practice. So I get there, but with Watson, it seems like watching minicamp, he's just kind of falling out of the picture. Remember, we were talking about him as could he win the wide receiver three job yeah. last year at this time? That was like a big thing. You know, he or Scotty Miller who would, or Tyler Johnson who would win the wide receiver three job. And now I don't know if he's going to be the eighth guy on this team right now. Yeah, I mean, it's really tough competition this year with the Bucks wide receiver room. I'm a little surprised, too, that he didn't get any reps with the ones. When you consider that they were mixing in guys like Mickens and Johnson, the fact that Watts didn't get any, I think kind of puts up a, a red flag that he could make special teams, but they, they've they that ship has sailed, I guess, as, as a wide receiver. So Yeah, and, uh, and the other thing to consider is Jaden Mickens, he has played gunner, and he has played yeah. on kickoff coverage, too. I don't know. If I would say he's great or not, the sample size is probably too small at this point to be able to tell. I mean, he works his tail off, and, he, and he's definitely fast enough. Um, Physicality is not going to be an issue, but he is small. Tackle radius at that size is going to be pretty limited. The wideouts, it's, I don't get, it's, it's not like he's a total unknown special teams-wise, more like a Tyler Johnson is. Um, if it comes down to roster spot there, Mickens is also giving you something on teams, and so is Johnson, and there's more upside with both of them at receiver. Maybe maybe that's the route that you go. Maybe Travis Johnson's a guy they really want to keep around, um, and you can probably stash him on the practice squad, and, and nobody, will, nobody will find him. Nobody will come looking for him um, from another team. So uh, good question here from Edward Fernandez. Anything good on Joe Tryon yet or still taking it easy? You know, you could say if you saw something on Thursday, to me, my observation on, on Tuesday and Wednesday were, was fairly limited. But at the same time, I thought Wednesday, you know, looks great in space every single day. Not, I thought in college he was kind of like over aggressive in all his movements, herky jerky, and would kind of really overcompensate or overstep in a direction, then struggle to kind of recover and move fluidly. He was just a little bit all over the place, out of control. And I didn't think he looked that way at all and in dropping into coverage and practices. I didn't see him targeted once in any of the reps that I watched, but I watched him drop at least four or five times. And I thought he had a great idea of kind of where people were, how deep to get, things like that. So it'll change in game settings when, you know, everything, your assignments change and play to play. And you have no idea what the team's throwing at you. And you probably have a better idea in practice. But those were encouraging signs. And there was one play as a pass rusher, he kind of forklifted Brad Seaton and got inside of him. I love seeing him convert speed to power. I don't think he's ever going to be a speed bend guy, you know, vintage Von Miller or anything, vintage Marcus Ware, anything like that. But I think he can convert speed to power, and that can still open up a lot of options for him as a rusher. So I thought it was encouraging, not discouraging at all, but we won't learn a ton until the pads come on in training camp. Right. As far as Thursday's training camp went, you got to understand half of it was just essentially a walkthrough. I mean, guys didn't even yeah. have helmets on until halfway through right there, there was one thing that was kind of funny to watch though Tryon and the uh, outside linebackers they did work on like some almost like the the drills that you work on with corners when like you kind of run through cones and they, they just throw it at you yeah and, and you catch it but <laughs> and he, his hands were good there for those wondering when you know Todd Bowles at times likes to have the outside linebackers drop back in coverage and everything like that mm -hmm. uh they did something next where essentially everyone was just kind of just like standing around whatever when other parts of practice is going on but then they had all the outside linebackers just run fly routes down the field like 30 40 yards so it was just a funny visual of seeing like Shaq Barrett JPP and Joe Tryon just run down the field and try to catch a deep ball like Scotty Miller would. Yeah. And um, Shaq and JPP both made catches. Tryon was overthrown on the first one. And the second one, it just went off his fingertips. But again, like, you know, he's not there to make interceptions. So what does it really matter? Mm -hmm. And then they did goal line and red zone. So again, in those situations, you're going to throw the pass really quickly. You're not really going to see a pass rush from, right. uh, from Tryon there. He lined up behind Shaq and JPP, which we expected, and he lined up on both sides, which was good to see. So they're going to mm -hmm. be versatility. Yep. That's really all I can say from Thursday because, like I said, it was more of a walkthrough. And then they did seven on seven, so he wasn't needed for that as well. Right. Yeah, yeah both sides. That's a good a point, too. Answers. Right. And, and both sides, yeah, that's a good point. He, lied, he did line up on both sides. Another interesting thing about outside linebackers and a guy that I thought was another winner just because – not because of necessarily how he played. I didn't see anything negative from him. But again, I'm not really paying attention that much to the line until pads come on. But Cam Gill, I mean, 
Cam Gill was in the mix on field one and two on field one. Like he was, he was in the mix in there with, they were kind of rotating Cam Gill, Anthony Nelson and, and Joe Tryon kind of all those guys were splitting reps. So obviously Tryon's a lock, but Gill is going to get a chance to compete here. I don't know if they'll keep five outside linebackers. If he would potentially be able to beat out Anthony Nelson, I think that door is open. Clearly it's not closed. It's not like Anthony Nelson's been the dominant player. I think he and Cam Gill have the same number of sacks in their career right now. I'm pretty sure. And so hey, he made that yeah. play in the Super Bowl, though. Yeah. I mean, maybe we shouldn't rule out Cam Gill just yet. I mean, I mean, I thought of him as a for sure practice squad guy that probably wouldn't have a lot of interest from other teams. But he remember he was a he was a five phase or four phase special team player last year for most of the year. And I didn't think he was great in kick coverage, but did a good job on punt on punt team. Um yeah, I think that there's a very real possibility that he makes his team. And uh, that practice showed to me that the Bucks are kind of still they, – they definitely believe in him. They want to see him. They'd like to see him kind of lose it before they move on from him and, and, and lock in on Nelson. Or they could keep five outside linebackers. I'm not sure yet. But his his usage and his them having him in that second group rotation, I think if you're a Cam Gill fan, that was pretty encouraging to see. That's a great point. I didn't have him on my list, but that's a really good op- observation you had too, where he was working with both the threes and fours and the ones and twos, which I think is a really important sign. Right. Uh, one of the assistant coaches said that it, it's great. I think it was Larry Foote. He was saying it's great when there's competition with outside linebackers because they're, they're going to determine who makes a team based on who can get to the quarterback. You mm-hmm. know, they're, Right. Like all these different variables and intricacies. It's can you get past the guy blocking you and sack the quarterback? It's pretty much as black and white as you can get in, yeah. in the league with who's going to make the team. So the Bucks are going to give him a lot of opportunities. I thought he had great flashes in training camp last year. And then as you were talking about, had a job on, on special teams. So it's going to make for good competition, you know, and I think that's that's really all you can ask for when you get to this point of the season. Right. No, for sure. And so it's, uh, there is a lot to, of that to consider too. And you're right. If you can get to the quarterback, it's the one position where special teams just might not matter as much uh, as other, as other positions for sure. So did want to let people know about locker room. It's a social audio app that is changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation with Locker Room. We'll be going live sometime tomorrow night probably uh, to chat about some some stuff around the NFL. We're going to turn our focus a little bit. Stuff around the NFL going live uh, tomorrow night. So we'll be fun stuff on Locker Room. Download that, follow Peter Report, and get invited to all those conversations we have with locker room. Mitch wants to know about the D line was Sue participating. No Sue is still recovering from a wrist injury suffered last season. So he is kind of going to be on the mend a little bit. Um, so I don't think we'll see him until training camp. Bruce said he'd be ready to go for training camp. I don't know. Other than that, uh, there's not a ton to say. I mean, again, until the pads come on, it is really difficult to judge D line O line, because even if you see a good rep, how hard was the other guy going you know, without pads on your physical energy right. exchanges every play. It's hard to judge guys. Yeah. I, I was going to mention Khalil Davis. I thought he had a, a, a solid mini camp. I know on the last day he, he, or may, I don't know. Was, the, the days start to kind of blend in. It was either Tuesday or Thursday. He had a, a very good pass rush where it, it would have been a sack, but obviously you can't touch the quarterback or anything like that. Again, it's tough to gauge like, what exactly the offensive line was looking for, how hard the rep went. But I thought Khalil Davis was quite active, so I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And then Anthony Nelson and Will Golson also had pass breakups. So, Well, Anthony Nelson's an outside linebacker, but Will Golson had a had a pass breakup. So right. that's the most you're going to get from a mini camp where yeah. you know, it's the, the trenches don't aren't yeah. really the – the people that you're watching too much. Vita Vea forklifted Alex Kappa into the backfield on one play. You know, that's, I don't know how hard Kappa was going or, you know, what the deal was, but I just know that that's what happened. So Vita Vea still looks like a beast. I guess we can say that. uh, Yeah. Great assurance. (laughs) Sorry if if it's skipping. Somebody said it's skipping. It's a stream yard issue. We're most days we work through it. Okay. Um, it's uh most days uh, I don't know how bad today is it seems fine for me but uh, I know some people sometimes have other experiences with it but 
yeah, it's one one hiccup we found with StreamYard at times. Yeah, it's froze like twice, but then yeah. like when it comes back, you're still talking. So I'm like, okay, you're still talking about Jada Mickens. Like, yeah, that's right. Taking down Mickens. <laughs> that's just yeah. <laughs> I think they're still ironing things out with StreamYard. It has gotten better from where it was at the end of the season. Um, when I was like having Spectrum out here three days yeah. a week trying to figure out what was going on and realizing that it was nothing on on my end, but uh, it's still not perfect for sure. Um, somebody asked, Drew asked a good question. Do you think the Bucks have enough depth at safety? The top three were great last year, but I thought things could have gotten dicey once Whitehead got hurt. I mean, I think the Bucks to be three deep at safety with to me three starting caliber options is. I think that's a huge pretty good positive. starting out. Right, you know? right. I, I, I don't think a lot of teams have that. So, I guess you don't complain about it. I thought Javon Hagen had a, a good, good mini camp as well, from what you could see. Again, it's only two days, one and a half days. But Curtis right. Riley kind of jumped from the from field two to field one and got some reps over there. Obviously time so you saw riley get some reps there you saw him intercept tom brady he had four interceptions the last time he was a starter in the season he is a guy that can make plays on the ball even if the rest of the skill set isn't amazing tackling's always been an issue um he was going to get a look now hagan will get an even stronger look probably raven green had a good mini camp we should mention raven green i thought to, to here's how i see raven green if you have him in the right role i think he can play a nice a nice bench role for your team throughout the season, but he can't do everything. Like he is not going to be Patrick Chung stepping into the slot and walking up tight ends and man coverage. Right. But he has a great feel for the game. He's very physical. He's going to fill and run. He's going to blitz a ton. He can blitz. I mean, he can hit he'll tackle. He is rocked up. I think he said, on, and when he was on zoom with us, what do he say? He was like one ninety seven, And he thinks he's going to get down to one ninety two playing in this heat or something. Like, but he doesn't look it. I mean, he is just absolutely yoke. He looks like a linebacker's body. And so he that's how the Packers used him. And I think if you keep him in that role and basically don't ask him to do anything really hard, he could be a nice energizer bunny type of player for you. So I feel good about where their safety room at is at, even after Riley getting hurt. Um, I think Hagen and, and Green could potentially both could be that. And they could keep five safeties if those guys can prove themselves on special teams. Yeah, and Green was a guy too that says that's pretty much was like, listen, I know my path into the league was from special teams, so I'm gonna go out and play special teams if that's what it takes to make the team. I, I agree that Hagen and Green are are definitely the leaders in the clubhouse for that for that fourth spot. So good competition there. I know Scott was big on uh, Augie Contressa, the safety out of Stony Brook. He loves his just speed. because of his name, right? Oh, his speed. Okay. He, yeah, he said because of his speed. So another guy to keep a look at. I. I didn't see anything in, in minicamp that was like, ooh, I don't know. I don't think he has a shot, but I also wasn't like, oh, yeah, right. like this guy is yeah, definitely a lock for the 53-man roster. <laughs> safeties didn't get tested. We didn't see safeties in man coverage at all. Yeah. Um, and so we we missed that part of the evaluation with them. And also Wednesday, there were hardly any deep throws. Tuesday or Wednesday, there were hardly any deep balls. Right. You know, it, was, it was almost all short intermediate work. And so – you didn't see a ton of, and a lot of it was just one-on-one outside deep balls. So you didn't see a ton of opportunities. I did think, again, winners of minicamp, Antoine Winfield, man. I mean, he was, how good was Antoine Winfield at minicamp? He oh, he like was awesome on Thursday too. He had two great pass breakups. I think one was on Gronk and yeah. uh, the other one, one was definitely on a tight end, but yeah, he had two play. Oh, one was on his, t- his former Minnesota teammate, Tyler Johnson, mm. knocked the ball away from him in the end zone. So yeah. He had two great pass breakups on Thursday, and that just put the exclamation point on, on overall a, a great camp. I mean, this guy was awesome as a rookie. I think he's going to be even better this year. I think he's on the fast track to just a truly great player in this league. Yeah. I'm not going to start saying like all pros and pro bowls mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but I really think he's on the fast track to being a, a player that everyone around the league knows. And I also want to give a shout out another winner I had on my list and you had mentioned him before, but uh, Ross Cockrell, he had two interceptions in mini camp, two interceptions in three days. I thought he played really well. Uh, He was lined up against Mike Evans too, which is never, uh, never an easy task, of course. And I just thought he brought it, you know, he, he understands his role. He's going to be in the mix for that slot corner position. 
they'll be behind Sean Murphy bunting, but you know, he's a veteran guy that, that brings that knowledge to the team. And I just, I think he's a really important depth guy and he got off to a good start in minicamp. I agree with you. Super important depth player. The DP deep at corner is so, so, so important. Yeah. I mean, that them being able to bring him back was such an underrated quiet move, but he brought so much stability last year. He's one of those guys you never have to worry about in the locker room. Like he's just, he's an awesome dude. Everybody likes him. Um, and he just picks things up and he competes like crazy. He's never going to be an amazing athlete. That's, and he's never going to be the biggest dude, but he just, you know, he, he's very smart, you know, technically sound, consistent players, almost never out of position. Uh, if you need a guy like that in a pinch, he can step in and give you quality reps and, that's really important, and that's good to hear that he continued to have a good mini camp on uh, on Thursday as well. But both those guys, man, Winfield, like you said, uh, you don't want to jump the gun. It's mini camp, but every single day he was just flying around, knocking passes mm-hmm. away. Just looked like he was playing with so much more anticipation and um, and processing speed was up. I thought last year he missed opportunities to make plays on the ball uh, because he was kind of second guessing himself a little bit. Where his instincts didn't flat like in college, he would just trust his instincts and go. And it's going to be really exciting to see how many plays can he make on the ball. You know, how much more effective is he from that single high roll? So, Antoine Winfield, I'm glad that one uh, got brought up. A good question about the safeties, though, Drew. I think that that's something that's definitely uh, worth thinking about for sure. Emily says, "Hi guys, just jumped in again. Can't emphasize enough the excitement there is all over the place and in me about this season. Come on already and start the season. LOL, go Bucks! Our excitement as well for sure. <laughs> we are especially watching these mini camp practices. It's uh, it's gonna be fun to see this team out there when it really counts." Ren says, "So John is out on Jay Watt. That was a fun two week narrative. I guess Tyler Johnson is safe for now. Yeah, Tyler Johnson." Might not be any more safe than he was before for game days. Um, that part really hasn't changed much. It's more about who might be moving ahead of Jay Watt uh, rather than Tyler Johnson's status. He's still got to play really well in special teams to be able to be assured of that hat on game days. Six wide receivers. If Jalen Darden's your fifth because he's the return guy, number six has to play special teams. That's just the way that it. You know, you don't. You know, act number six isn't going to be active for his role as wide receiver. He's going to be reactive for his role as special teams. And if he, you have two injuries and he needs to jump in at receiver, or if he just jumps in at receiver too, that's great. But you need that guy to be able to play special teams if he's going to be active on game day. So if it's not Jay Watt, that doesn't necessarily help Tyler Johnson per se. It just means that it's somebody else. You know, It could be Mickens. It could be Travis Johnson. It could be whatever. But it could be Tyler Johnson if he proves himself. But it needs to be what would Jay Watt was the was the from our vantage point the most visible obstacle in terms because he had already established himself on special teams, but that's still the, the kicker for Tyler Johnson. If it isn't Jay Watt, then it could be a player at another position. Could be Keyshawn Vaughn if he's the one that makes strides on special teams, which he needs to do. Could be the fifth corner. Could be two safeties. Those are all guys Tyler Johnson is competing with to have a hat. So Jay Watt status no really doesn't affect. Tyler Johnson per se, uh, it just seemed like he was the most likely, and they happened to be the same position. Seemed like Jay Watt was the most likely special teamer, but now if he's out of the mix, it's still going to be okay. Now you've got all these other guys to compete with for special teams uh, to make an impact. So the onus on Tyler Johnson is still really the same. Must make an impact on special teams to be assured a hat on game days. Might not be a great special teamer and still get a hat on game days and still get plugged into special teams. That's definitely possible, but that would be the best way for him to assure himself getting a, a hat on game day. So not really a change on Tyler Johnson and never was really high on Jay Watt. I do think he's a good special teamer. Uh, hopefully the team has other answers uh, in the preseason. If they do end up moving away from Jay Watt, we'll see long way to go with, with special teams to figure that stuff out. I also didn't really think Tyler Johnson stood out during the week. It wasn't bad, but I didn't see him make really, I don't know. Did you notice him making any plays that I didn't? I, Honestly, quiet week. The, the biggest thing I noticed from him was when Antoine Winfield knocked the ball away from him. Mm. I didn't really see him make too many plays. And I'm not trying to we're not hating say any. Yeah, saying. I'm not trying to hate on him. It's just right. like like Scotty Miller didn't really make a ton of plays either. He had a he had two catches on two consecutive plays on Thursday. But Scotty, like you know what you're gonna get. You know, if it's down the field, it's it's time for Scotty. If it's over the middle, it's not really going to Scotty. I didn't see Tyler Johnson really in the mix too much. I was a little surprised, yeah. especially when you saw the things that we talked about with Travis Johnson and, and Jaden Mickens making plays. D- 
didn't really see Johnson involved too much. I don't think that's something you really have to necessarily worry about too much. He just mm-hmm. he didn't really have the best week. Right. It wasn't like he made, did anything amazing, nor was it like he did anything wrong. I mean, it's a mini camp. It's going to be quiet. I mean, for a lot of these guys, you know, but usually there is one, two moments that stand out for people. And I, you know, Tyler Johnson was working well on that first field, no, no doubt there. Uh, but I just, I never noticed him really stand out on any of the reps. And I did watch almost, I think I watched every one of those reps on Wednesday and Thursday. So just kind of a quiet week for him. Sometimes the ball goes elsewhere and that's all there is to yeah. it. Um, not like we have tape of these practices to kind of rewatch them whenever we catch <laughs> the first time is it. Uh, Mitch wants to know, does Richard Sherman still have any tread on the tires? Um, I don't think that Richard Sherman is in the mix for the Bucks, but I definitely think he's going to play this year for somebody. Um, yeah, still, I agree. It, like, yeah. yeah, not a fit for the Bucks, but you, you see that from time to time where formidable players still don't sign until, you know, mm-hmm. right before training camp starts. I mean, everyone wants to link him to the Jets because Robert Sala is now the, the head coach there. And, and, and because they need corners yeah and they need corners as well too so yeah that could be a fit i mean if you're sherman why not just like wait out until i'm not saying like wait into the season but you know he wants to win again so why not just go to a team that you think gives you the best chance to make the postseason i'm not saying that like the bucks are the the team that would give them the best chance to make the postseason but that it's also not a fit for like both teams. So right. you, you get what I'm saying. Right. No, I understand what you're saying completely. I, I think that Sherman will play this season. I think he's definitely still a good player. Uh, I don't think it'll be for the box, but uh, I definitely think he can help a team for sure as a starting corner in this league. Um, somebody asked that John Franklin would get a ring with us last year, even though he was hurt all year. Oh yeah. John Franklin got a ring. He'll get a ring. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in I the organization, yeah. he's still on the roster. They got to get him back for camp, though. They they must like him. They've kept him around this whole time, but got to get him back and on the field. He wasn't on the field all week, was he? He wasn't on Thursday, right? No. Yeah, didn't see him at all. So uh, we'll see him at training camp, hopefully. Um, Elliot wants to know, so Green would be an ideal whitehead backup, run stopping, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to look at it. I'd probably think Green is probably a little bit more limited than whitehead. So, you know, whitehead going into last year, I would have been – Yeah, I wasn't too high on – I really liked how he played this past season. I don't think there's necessarily another level for him to get to per se, but you never know. And I, I really, I think he brings a lot to the team. I like him. And I think green can be a similar type of player, maybe a little bit more limited. athlete. Yeah. You mentioned energizer guy, and that's a role that Whitehead has when he just lays a hit into someone. It, you know, it gets everyone going. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that that's a possibility as well. Uh, somebody wants to know, Gary wants to know how does Darden look? Well, we didn't, Wednesday, Darden didn't practice. Thursday, he was just at individuals, looked fine, but it was just the first beginning of practice. And then we didn't see him. Well, Thurs- he did practice. Well, he did on, play Thursday. Yeah. yeah, he did practice on Thursday. He was running around fine. He looked fine as far as just running. Mm-hmm. Um, he only had one target, and it was an incomplete pass. Brady was the one that threw it to him. Um, so, I mean, it was encouraging to see him on the field, and that was good. Right. Didn't really make too many plays. But as far as practicing in full and running and and running different routes and things like that, he was able to do that. So, yeah, that's that's the thing. That. We just we wanted to see Jalen Darden this week. He's probably actually what he did at OTAs and rookie minicamp. Everybody was kind of looking forward to seeing him. Then we really didn't get to see him, so he'll be like the highlight training camp week. Yeah, I think everybody can't wait to see you know how he plays and what he how he moves and all that kind of stuff uh, to see what he's kind of bringing to the table. Uh, Ren wants to know why can't uh, Johnson be the fifth wide receiver? And uh, I guess I'm guessing that's Darden. Darden yeah. be the sixth guy who must play special teams. Yeah, Darden would need to be uh, able to learn wide receiver return, uh, return all all the stuff for punt and kick return, probably, and then also be on the coverage units too. So maybe he can't handle it. I don't know whether Darden's ever done coverage units before, or tackling or any of that stuff. Um, it would be unusual, I think, to get him in all those units at once. But it's possible that. Uh, Darden could be that versatile guy that he could flash like that. Um, again, not physically the makeup that you think typically think of as a gunner receiver, but Mickens did it last year. So, you know, Johnson being a second year, you know, being a bigger receiver, being a second year on the team, it definitely is going to get the first shot to, to be able to be the guy that contributes in that way. Um, you know, Darden could flash and surprise and maybe be a special team standout too. That, you know, that could be a possibility uh, for sure. Jack wants to know, uh, did you take anything from Arian's comments on the analytics team looking into the best third down and red zone teams to add stuff or adjust the offense? Is this a more progressive outlook from Bruce? 
this is hard to know how progressive it is because to be honest, these questions weren't really asked uh, before the last couple of years. So I don't really know where Bruce has been at in his past as a head coach with this stuff. Um, I don't think it's super unusual. I, I think that this is pretty normal stuff, but also the, the, the catch will be how, what's the emphasis he puts on it, right? Like right. everybody looks at these numbers some people use them to literally go in and change things, right? Like right away, they go in and they change processes to so that they can, oh, here's processes that lead to better results. We're going to immediately go change things. Some people will take one thing. Oh, don't run on first down in the red zone, you know, something like that. So it really depends on what you do with the information. I think people have had the information for a while. Everybody would say they look at it. It might change one thing. Some guys probably change nothing. Other people would change, you know, a lot. Uh, so I think that that might be, part of it um, that they're looking at. And maybe it's something that they even changed in the season. It's hard to really know what we'll do is we'll just keep watching for it and we'll see what kind of adjustments right. were made, but and they I were think, a really good red zone team already. So, yeah. And I, I think Bruce is a coach that likes to stay up with the current trends in the NFL, even though he's one of the, the older coaches mm -hmm. in the league, but at the same time, I mean, his mantra is no risk it, no biscuit. So he's a guy that does like to go with his gut as well. But he's also a big self-assessment guy. And I think a lot of times we always talk about that bye week that they had late in the season was so big for them because they were able to just sit back for a week, watch the tape, see what they were doing well, see what they need to adjust on and go from there. And obviously it helped the team a ton. So, yeah, I think he definitely listens to it. But to what extent is it's it can't right. really be determined at this moment? Yeah, exactly. I think that it's encouraging, though, that he's talking about it. That's... <laughs> Yeah, it's better than saying, yeah, we don't look at any of that stuff. You know, I think that's a good, <laughs> good sign for yeah. sure. Um, Long Lost Glazer wants to know who starts in base at CB2, Dean or SMB. I believe SMB got the nod and kicked inside for nickel, but any chance Dean wins it outright this year? I think there's a chance. I I think it's going to be hard, though. Just the team loves Sean Murphy Bunning. They just do. They His work ethic, his communication skills, his attitude. Um, I think not that. I don't want to slander Jamel Dean or anything. I just think his consistency is, is just an issue for them. You know, I, and I don't think, I think SMB just struggled technically. Like he just struggled last year. I don't think he's like a roller coaster. Dean is just like a roller coaster, man. Like, I mean, you he's just got don't the know speed, what, though. Yeah. He can pick six loves. and then he could get beat for, beat for a touchdown. I mean, he just, again, the, the process with him just isn't clean all the time. And so he's had a couple of the worst games. We've seen from a Bucks corner in his short career already, and and he's had some great games uh, for the Bucks too. So he is just kind of it's it's one of those things where I don't know if they fully trust him, and I think they really trust Sean Murphy Bunting. I'm not saying that Sean Murphy Bunting is clearly better at all. Like I, there were times last year, I was like, you just got to roll with Dean. Like Murphy Bunting just yeah. isn't there right now. Um, hopefully, the end of last year was a big step in the right direction for Murphy Bunting, but it's a big question. Both of them. It's a big question mark for both of them. And so I'm I'm curious to see how it goes. I'm also curious to see if there is some type of package where they or situation scenarios where they start putting three safeties in the field and Winfield is playing in the nickel. Because I just don't think Sean Murphy Bunting is naturally a nickel. Uh, he may get better there and make plays there, but I think there's going to be certain types of receivers, the smaller, quick guys you know, that are going to give him problems. We saw that in the Raiders game. We saw that in the Rams game. Um, those are, those are types of players that he's just, I think, not going to have a good time with. So, and a lot of those guys play in the slot. So you just, you, you open yourself up to get exploited in certain matchups that maybe Winfield would be better in that role. So I just look forward to seeing whether there's going to be any versatility in the usage of their secondary this season. Yeah, that'd be fun to see. Cause obviously that gets Mike Edwards onto the field and everyone calls Mike Edwards a ball hawk. And I think I would like to see him a little more too, just because he seems to always make plays when he's on the field or he's getting his hand on the football, whether yep. it's deflecting it in the Super Bowl and Winfield made the interception there or getting his own interception in the postseason. Mm -hmm. I think that would be fun to see Edwards on the field more. I kind of tend to lean more towards Dean than SMB. I just I like the size. The the, the Bucks love yeah. just lank, lanky corners to begin with. So I think that with the speed 
I would give him the nod for that. But it's another mm. thing to watch in training camp this year. It is, right. And and nobody's really mentioned it. We've asked Arians, and he mentions the running back battle, but nobody's really talked about those two. I just think um, they're just going to be switching so much that it's like yeah. whoever has the the title, it's not it's not really the title of the you starter. Play, you, you play three corners so much, it's, you know, it's, yeah. Unless, unless there's that switch that Winfield starts playing in the nickel, and it's Edwards who comes on as yeah. basically their nickel DB, but he's a free safety. It'd be, it'd be a weird. Trend, it would be a weird usage of the group, but I, it could happen. I mean, it hey, could don't doubt Todd Bowles. He <laughs> likes to draw up a lot of uh, different yeah. things. And at the end of the day, think. you want your best guys on the field. You want your best 11 on the field for those situations. And yeah. I think at some points it would be hard to convince me that Mike Edwards was worse, was not one of your best 11, and, and Jamel Dean mm-hmm. and Sean Murphy Bunting were for a lot of the season. So which version of those guys we get in, in 2021 will be uh, telling for how the Bucks secondary fares moving forward. A couple is, uh, more before we wrap things up, though, we do have a couple other questions we want to get to for sure. But Peter Report fans, we did promise earlier in the show that we would tell you about a special opportunity to win some free Celsius And now the time has come. The Pewter Report podcast is excited to announce a brand new giveaway with Celsius and Fast Brands in which 10 winners will receive one box of Fast Protein Bars. Here we've got the white chocolate cookies and cream. And on this one right here, we've got the salted caramel peanut crunch. Have tried them both. Love them both. Highly recommend them. You're going to have an opportunity to win a box of those fast protein bars, one of those flavors, salted caramel peanut crunch or white chocolate cookies and cream, and one case of your preferred flavor of Celsius energy drink to enter. All you have to do is go right here to celsius.com backslash pewter or forward slash pewter to enter. That's all you have to do. Enter your name and email. It's truly that simple. The link is also and in the comments. Grab that link. Do it now because winners for this giveaway will be selected on June 22nd. So don't wait for it. Enter this giveaway and get yourself some free Celsius and some of the tastiest protein bars. <laughs> Game-changing taste. I felt like I was eating a candy bar. I just I shouldn't be surprised at this point because you know what you're getting with Celsius. You're getting great flavor, great taste all the time. But I mean, I I love these things. They're tremendous and they're a great source of protein, uh, which is hard to get without all that fat sometimes. So definitely check that out. Uh, enter, put your name and your email in. That's that simple. Celsius.com slash pewter. That's all you got to do to enter uh, to win uh, these boxes. So check that out. Do that now. Uh, that's really good stuff. I'm going to drop this link actually into the comments as well. So you guys are going to have the opportunity to use it that way if you want uh, to. So Good stuff from Celsius as always, Matt. Let's uh, let's get to some of the last of these comments we've got here and these questions, including one from our friends over at Cannon Fire. Happy Monday, boys. What's up with Keyshawn Vaughn? Well, we kind of talked about Vaughn already, but what were your observations? Can you give a little bit of insight to our Cannon Fire fellas, a little Spark Notes version of what you saw from him on Thursday? Yeah, what's up, guys? And uh, appreciate the uh, – what's it called? The donation or the – this is yeah the super chat donation. Yeah, super chat it. donation. Yeah. Appreciate that, guys. Yeah, we thought, or I guess you and I, John, when we were talking about it before, Keyshawn Vaughn looked more well-rounded coming into minicamp. Here, he looked a lot more comfortable than we've seen him in the past. Just uh, especially as a receiving back, because you, you don't really get too many running plays here in minicamp. But he built great chemistry with Kyle Trask. He looked much more comfortable out there. He only had one drop. He had a great diving catch in the middle of the end zone during red zone and goal line drills. So he's a guy that definitely picked it up. It's going to be tough for him to really see the field just because of the names in front of him with Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, and Giovanni Bernard. But I think it's a sign of better things to come for Keyshawn Vaughn. He looked just much more confident out there and just a player that was trusting in his abilities and was able to show it off more here in this mini camp than we've seen previously. Maybe it's the number change, but um, definitely, definitely better than I think we expected. Right, it's a good, good step in the right direction for him. Small step. We're not going to lose our minds out about it or anything, but uh, it sets himself up well for training camp. And Arians talked about him after too. He said he's, you know, he, I have all the confidence in the world of him as a runner and a receiver. We actually wrote an article. It's up on PeterReport.com. Today you can check out, but yeah, he was he was open. He said, I have confidence, you know, a lot of confidence in him. He said what he has to do is get better on special teams. It's the Tyler Johnson conversation with Keyshawn Vaughn, too. 
did not play very much on special teams last year. When he did get on the field, he was mostly on the return teams, not as important as being on those coverage units. And so mm-hmm. he's got a lot to prove. He's got a lot to show um, at training camp and in the preseason. I think it's going to be a huge time for him because it's, it's about getting a hat on game days for some of these guys. That's what it's about. You know, you want to keep – Keep yourself in the rotation. Keep your, give yourself the opportunity to get snaps on offense if something happens, or if there's a package that could be in, you you could be involved in. Uh, but you can't do that if you can't play on teams. It's just I know fans kind of want to put that on the back burner, but NFL teams don't do that with those depth guys. You got to be able to play in those roles. So that's going to be big for Vaughn, and, and we'll have to see how he does as that uh, opportunity uh, comes up. Now this was interesting. Somebody brought up, and I'm glad somebody brought up because I did want to talk about it today. Long lost Glaver. Glazer bringing up uh, Godwin revealing the third and five run to ice the Green Bay game was a two-point conversion play call, and what a call it is. Love the creativity of going five wide and running a toss play to Godwin. Chef's kiss. Man, that was such a good column by Chris Godwin. That article was awesome from right? beginning to end. Just his message overall about, like, we need more positivity in the world mm-hmm. and be grateful for for things. I thought that was great. Yeah. But, yeah, the all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And what a great play call it was. No one saw yeah. that coming, a Chris Godwin run play. It was crazy. In that situation, in that scenario, I mean, yeah, gutsy. Uh, I loved it at the time, but it was definitely something I hadn't seen from them at all. You know, I – could have done a lot of the things too, but again, you just they just kept teams off balance in the playoffs. It's the best thing they did. They, you know, the, I think Arians even everybody would have said the one thing about Arians is predictability. You know, he might be able to beat you know a couple times in the race, but he get, at the end of the day, when you've got all the tape, he tends to go back to his you know what he does best and most consistently in those situations. And so predictability's always been one of the things that kind of people have said could could bite him and i just think they were anything but in the playoffs they just constantly kept people guessing as to what they were doing and nobody could really feel like they nailed them down with their game plan and it, it on both sides of the ball and um you know think about the screen to gronk right i mean that was something yeah that and was great you know, right in the super bowl too right like they the just screens to them yep they had just a lot of, but in the offense as the season went on that they just didn't have in there that people weren't expecting. And if they keep building the offense like that, not only will they have the talent advantage over everybody they play, they'll also have the schematic advantage, which I could say is is, is equally important. Um, And so, yeah, I think that that's going to be a huge, huge part of this. So huge season for Byron Leftwich, man. If he can make it work with all these guys, he's going to have a lot of jobs lining up for him, I think. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that progresses for him. Um, Let's go, Lightning. Hmm. Yeah, how you feeling Bolts. about that? You said you agreeing go bolts. I didn't know if you were. Not yeah, I I am not a fan of the Lightning. I have a lot of friends that are light. Uh, sorry, I'm not a fan of the Islanders. I have a lot okay. of friends that are Islander fans. I used to go to a lot of games back in the day, just because I lived pretty close to the arena and everything. But uh, yeah, I, I just like last season. I want the light. I wanted the Islanders, except for when they played the Penguins. I wanted the Islanders if they were going to make to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'd like mm-hmm. to see them get that far just so that the lightning could just smash them and um, not great yesterday losing two one, but I'm still confident the lightning are going to come back and, and beat so, the Islanders and how's it and work knock them the- out in their own arena, which they're playing in for the last time this season. That's so right. that'd be great to close out the barn with a loss. I would love and, that uh, as well. As, as a penguins fan, I am as, as well as you, like I am. Yeah still smarting but what's what's the situation with islanders rangers i i've probably read it before but how does that split work up there like does it is it just split or you know is it, um is there i would say people? it's a little more rangers fans and islanders fans but like the islanders play out on long island so okay. like in yeah, the yeah. long island area it's mostly Islanders fans, but okay. there's a good deal of Rangers fans as well. Okay. If you go into New York City, it's like all Rangers fans. But okay. I will say the Islanders have an extremely rabid fan base. I just think New York sports fans in general, when their teams make the postseason, people like go insane and lose their minds. I mean, you saw the crowd chanting things at Trey Young in, in the in the first round for the Knicks. Yeah. So it's not going to be an easy building that the lightning are going to go into hopefully tied at one, one, I can only imagine if they're down Oh two and they have to go back to long Island. That's not going to be easy. Right. But like I said, bolts and bolts and six, bolts I think they'll six. win in six. I That's what right, they won man. last year too. I think I just yeah. continue to astound me. I just didn't think they were very good against. The I know. Ones. Cause each round they're playing against they're playing these, better. 
they're playing against guess. teams that are way more talented right. than than them, and they like still they still find a way. So driving me nuts. I couldn't believe it. I did not think they were going to win Game One. I they just they just find ways, man. They're a tough, tough team. I but, know it's so frustrating. I yeah. I can't see my friends. I know. Can't see them celebrating that, right? (laughs) Well, this was good stuff. Tomorrow on the podcast, Ben Solak from the Draft Network, Locked on NFL Draft, joins us to talk about the divisional super teams that he and Trevor Sikama built on their podcast and why the NFC South super team is the best of all the divisional super teams. We'll kind of go through the South, look at the best players at each position, talk about why they're the best out of all these divisions, when you compile the best players and a starting lineup from the best players in the South, uh, I think they might take the championship in, in their competition. And so uh, we're going to talk about that with him and talk about the state of the NFC South uh, some tomorrow with Ben. And then Wednesday, Matt and I will be back, and we're still figuring out Thursday's plan. Scott's voice is recovering. He sounded much better this He's weekend when mend. I talked to him. Yes. He's on the mend. Uh, Doctor has recommended a significant rest for his voice. So he, we are, we're thinking of, we're looking at next week, but again, we want to make sure he's fully healed. Those vocal cords are all the way back. Um, and then we'll be able to you know, talk about Scott back on the pod. He'll be back by training camp for sure. We're just hopefully earlier than that, but we're just uh, kind of feeling our way through the process right now and making sure he's all healed up and ready to go. That's the most important thing. So Matt and I will be back with you on Wednesday for sure. I'll be with you tomorrow along with Ben on the podcast. going to be a fun time. 4 p.m. Eastern all week. Make sure you're keeping it right here with us for another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Let's get after it this week, people. Out. Out.